0: Welcome to the Mike Hewitt Show, 10 years and growing. It's about family, business, work, and politics like you've never heard it before. Yep, it's true. There's more than just a touch of wry humor mixed in. And now your host, Mike Hewitt.
1: Listen, folks, this is Mike Hewitt, co host Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedemdorski. Now, Miles, I got to go to you, man. First off, the first couple of topics are yours. But I also want to say, I think this is your birthday weekend, isn't it?
2: Uh, Thanks for rubbing that that, that in. As I recall, I have to tell you, this is the most painful birthday (laughs) that I have ever experienced. Listen, 60 years old. Ludwig, tell him that does not sound old.
1: (laughs) My mom told me never to lie. (laughs) You didn't listen to her very well. Listen though, Miles Bauer, happy happy uh birthday at sixty. We don't know how many we have left, so enjoy the heck out of this.
2: Right. <laughs> I, I right. may have one or two Long Islands.
1: There I don't I I don't I might I'm sitting down in sunny Florida right now. I wished I were there, but that'd be a lie because it's really nice down here. <laughs> Just well, you.
0: The good news yep. is Miles is he's gonna be sixty two soon, so you're still younger. That is
1: true. He's always chasing me. That is is the uh, absolute truth. But listen, I've been down in sunny Florida, which is the equivalent of crossing back into America, I'm just saying. Uh, Miles Bauer, let's jump into your list here. I'm reading from your notes, actually from a title you shared. I think this was you. Maybe it was, uh, hang on here, holy smokes. Victor Davis Hanson, it's got to be you.
2: Yeah, I, two, I sent you two VDH articles. Yep. Yeah. tell us about them. Um, so one of them, he kind of goes through some of the wackiest things that have occurred since the uh, pandemic hit. Right. Like, uh, when did the pandemic erase the Constitution? Who right. who erased the border? Where where did the border go? Um. When did we agree to have biological men competing in women's sports? Who can have babies? Yeah. Um, and, he, and he goes through a whole long, long list. It would take me about 10 minutes to go, go through all the lists. But if you think about some of the things that three years ago we would have never agreed to, and now they're, they're very much commonplace.
1: They, they are, but I got to tell you, when I was reading the article you shared with us, and by the way, folks, you can get it at the, you can find it at the reviewjournal.com. Thing in Peace by Victor Davis Hanson. The guy is brilliant. But when I was reading and I was reflecting back on some of my own life's experiences. So I had a brother-in-law who's since passed away, but he was dating a, a woman. This was 20 years ago. And I remember sitting at a, a family party. My wife's side of the family, almost all of them are Democrats, but they're JFK Democrats. And so this young lady sat at the table at a Thanksgiving meal, and she's talking about everything 20 years ago. She's talking about everything that we're seeing now, and we're being alarmed by it. So no borders, wanted to get rid of the borders, Um, the, the, the transgender thing. She was covering the entire list. And at that time, I walked out of the house going, wow, what a nut. Even the Democrats, keep in mind, even the Democrats entirely rejected the platform she was espousing that now we are seeing as commonplace acceptance in in America. And at the same time, and you, you'll uh, remember back when my own father was fighting cancer. I was working in Las Vegas, going back and forth to Michigan, Uh, in his final few months. And I got stuck at one of those bars within the airport when you're waiting for a layover. What do you do? You go have a Long Island iced tea. That's like a staple. And I got sitting at a counter with a young lady that was going from one college to another that without me prompting her, I didn't want to talk to her. She went on at great length about the need to erase our southern border. She wants, wanted, and we're talking... In that regard, 2007, and I tell you all that because this stuff that we're watching might be breathtaking change to us or crew level, but they've been working on it for decades and decades.
0: That's so, my point. Go ahead, Miles. Here's the question I have for you guys. <clears throat> all, right, all right, lad. Nancy Pelosi and Chucky e. Schumer have been there a long time, and they didn't push these things. Was it because they don't really believe in them, and now they're being forced to? Or or do they always want it and they knew America
1: wouldn't accept it? Um, Listen, I I don't know where Biden is is at on that. He's got a voting record that is contrary to everything that we're watching now. But I can tell you only from the Republican side, there's a, and let me me do the reflective mirror thing, there's absolutely a fringe or far left. In fact, we're going to talk about that later in this episode but there's just as equal a far right a fringe right and so they've been miles you and i specifically on this show have been talking about the democrats civil war for the last several years i think that civil war was over these social issues but now we're seeing a civil war on the right side and so let's let's visit miles you and i and Lud this most recent um the, the, the vote in congress over McCarthy where you and I probably get to have our, our biden Cruz debate for a brief minute, Miles, because my vantage was from the other side of that argument. But those 20, some of them really believed what they were saying, but most of them did not. They, they were afraid of their grassroots activists within their their own district constituencies. They're absolutely fearful if they don't push that hard line that they'll get burnt at the stake back home. Right or wrong makes no difference. To not acknowledge it is foolhardy. I think both sides have changed to match up with their fringe grassroots,
2: It's my earnest belief. Well, but I mean, Oops. you know, keep in mind, the Freedom Caucus did get some con- concessions. The, yep. the thing that I find very fascinating, they started negotiations last summer. Why right. did McCarthy drag his feet all the way to the end? And then say, and then in the vote, he he plays plays chicken. Right.
1: I listen, I, I see that part differently, maybe wrongfully, by the way. I'll fuss up, but I, I think it's part of negotiations. When there is no urgency, there'll be no movement in negotiations. Right. And I think both sides sought to bring this to A crescendo to to an urgent state where they could where they could bring their collective use that word their collective powers to bear. Ludwig, what was your view of it?
0: I I think I had an initial view of this is a circus, this is embarrassing. What are we doing here? But I listened to McCarthy afterwards uh, after he's been voted in, and I think he has a good point. There was some embarrassment
2: stuff. Is you listening to the media?
0: No, I didn't I listen to him. Mike and I texted
2: back back and forth between all the votes. And I think one of my texts to Mike was, this is what democracy looks like. This is what making of sausage is not always pretty. But the media wants you to think that it was a clown car. But it really wasn't.
0: No, I wasn't listening to media. My part of it embarrassing was, why wasn't this done, like I think you said, before? Why were not some of these negotiations happen sooner? But when I listen to McCarthy, and this is where my viewpoint of it changed from being a circus to one that was, it made a lot of things happen that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And that's great. But at the same time, I'm looking at going, like you said, why are we airing out our dirty laundry in public? Why don't we do it behind closed doors? And we seem unified rather than divided because that's where the Democrats always beat us. They play the stuff behind the doors. They step in front of the cameras and they are 100% united.
1: Uh, Democrats are not 100% united I, but I, but I'll, I will dovetail on that comment Mike, the one you have thing
2: five, five seconds left
1: oh boy the one thing that Democrats do very well is they get the vote out and that's the one thing that the GOP side is not focused on whatsoever. So with that folks do me a favor stay with us we've got to go to a break but we will be right back.
0: You're listening to The Mike Hewitt Show on WHTC. Here's your host, Mike Hewitt.
1: Listen, Miles and, and Ludwig both, I think we all have different perspectives on this topic of the clown show. My perspective is through the, through, through the eyes of someone deeply immersed in what's going on in Michigan State uh, Republican Party politics. and For me, that is a clown show. So I, I have a tendency, wrongfully by the way, of seeing a lot of these other things as if they're part of what's going on in our world here in Michigan. But, Miles, I want to go back to you for a minute about negotiations. If I were going to buy a car from Acme Chevrolet, um, I would go in and I would talk and I would negotiate. I would negotiate with a supervisor. Inevitably, I would negotiate with a senior-level manager. And then you know what I would do is I would leave. Thanks a lot, gentlemen. We're not quite there. You guys have a good day. Thanks, ladies. We've got to go. And I would leave, and I would let them call me on the phone because I've now stoked the urgency as high as I'm going to get it, and I've learned in 20, 40 years of negotiation. Holy smokes, I'm old. I've learned in 40 years of negotiation that I take control when I take control, and that's what both sides tried to do. But to your point, Miles Bauer, the media has been a master at uh, at making the Republican Party in total look like a clown show, yeah. And the Democrats, where Ludwig left off, the Democrats have done a great job at using this to allow them, at least on the party level, to focus on getting out the vote. That's the only thing they care about. They don't care about they don't care about gender swimming. They don't care about minor gender surgeries. Uh, they don't they don't they don't care about abortion or not abortion. They're entirely focused on getting out the vote. For them, it's solely about funding and power. And these issues are designed to do their 1% campaign, I'm always talking about. And, and I'm complimenting them. I dislike it. But if I just have my political hat on, wow, they do a tremendous job at getting out the vote while we are in what feels like a perpetual food fight. And I, I mean, we're over here arguing on our side how to vote, I mean, literally within a party structure, how are we going to vote? We'll have months of arguments over how we're going to count the vote. I get calls all the time from the Detroit News, mayors in Lansing, Michigan, all of them saying, Mike, can you tell us what it feels like to be in a party in disarray? That's what I got you asked yesterday at 7.15 in the morning while on vacation. That's how they're projecting us. And keeping in mind both of you, that when they tell a story, we're going to talk about it in the second half, but i got to touch on it. When they tell a story, there is only far right. There's no moderate. There's no centrist. There's no middle of the Republican Party. Everything in their vernacular is wrapped around the concept of far right. And by the way, the one thing that's entirely missing is they never have a far left. So they say the far right is reacting to X, Y, Z. But they forget the part where we're reacting to what the far left did or said. So it gets to be pretty muddy when we're trying to backtrack it to see where this stuff started to Victor Davis Hanson's point. I do believe there's been a coup. There's been a social coup, not necessarily a political coup, but based on, you know, Tip O'Neill, all politics is local. So if they can flip us culturally on a local and district level, They got D.C. handled.
2: Yeah, I just think that it's very unfortunate. I think you and I were symbolizing democracy back in 16 when you were, well, you still are a cruiser, Um, (laughs) and you you and I were going back and forth about cruising Trump, and we were a part of the same party. That's okay. That's healthy. I agree. You know, if you keep scribing, Miles, especially –
1: now that it's your birthday, you could become a cruiser. <laughs> if, if
2: you work at it, you could be a cruiser, too.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, would, I would much rather throw bowling balls. Thank you very much. Ludwig, <laughs> what do you think about all this?
0: Well, <clears throat> I think it's very interesting what you say there. It's all about getting out the boat on the left, because I think you're right. Because we've seen it where you know, Trump puts an infrastructure bill of a trillion dollars, and... How dare we want infrastructure? He's he's wrong, and then the moment they take over they sign a 1.5 billion dollar infrastructure. Right. So then, right. then it gets me thinking. If all of a sudden the cool thing or the get out the vote thing would be to build a wall on the border, would they be for it? If it
1: would help them with their grassroots, meaning power and money, if 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 suddenly grassroots shifted, they would shift. Um I still maintain that the Democrat elected leadership goes to your question in, in the first segment, that you know, Nancy Pelosi, Chucky Schemer, those folks, they're not this left. And I can say that because they do have a history of voting, but they are truly, truly moving by whatever it takes or whatever grassroots wants. That's what they're going to do if it, if it helps them raise money and stay in power, get votes, in other words. That's all they care about. They are not hung up on any of these issues. Heck, if you look at Biden, while I, I might be answering my own question, and I don't mean this deliberately, but he's literally been on every side of the law and order issue. Literally every side of it. Um, he's been a proponent of, of the three strikes and you're out law. He, he's been on every single side of it, and now he's on the, he's on the opposite of his 47-year previous career. And that's fascinating, I, it, it just no. it's mind numbing that the grassroots on the left don't pay attention to that and say, wait a minute, are you lying to them or us?
0: That's what I don't get is, okay, they can be on both sides and the media can, can push that. But how come the voter isn't smart enough over decades to be like, no, no, this doesn't make sense. But on the that, left. But on the right, we do we, we we see these like the Tea Party and these other areas that go, you know what? No, we've had enough of you lying to us. The media is saying you're lying. We can see you're lying. We're, we're going to split it off here and go after you just as if you're one of them. How come the luck doesn't have that?
2: Um, I re- remember that I fronted a theory a couple of years ago that that uh, the, the Democrats are a lot more emotional and we're a lot more business-like about our politics.
1: Not the well, new party,
2: but
1: no. not, not the new party. The new grassroots, the new, the new Republican Party, and there is a new Republican Party. Part of the coup we're talking about socially, it, we would be dishonest if we didn't acknowledge changes going on in the Republican Party. I sat in a restaurant two weeks ago with a with the new chairperson for one of the largest Republican counties in Michigan, both popular and vote-wise, and said, I, th- and I told him, I said, I think the Republican Party has been infiltrated by Democrats. And this new person, this new chairperson, brand new to the party, relatively speaking, his response was, after a great pause, he said, well, we are now the blue-collar working party, so maybe that's what you mean. And he's correct, but I'll say what I've been saying. The Democrat Party itself and its lobbying organizations, the PACs that support it both, they didn't invest millions upon millions of dollars in our primary 2022 across the states, not just Michigan. They invested millions upon millions to get our our candidates that they knew they could beat in the general nominated. They didn't do that and just walk away. Anyone that thinks they spent millions upon millions and just went home, folks, if you think that, you're lying to yourself. We've been heavily infiltrated. We have. Part of it goes to the cultural shift. Miles, when you said back in 16 that we're witnessing the first post-World War II party redefinement, those aren't your words, but I believe that's reflective. Is that true?
2: I I, uh, think you've got about 30 seconds,
0: Mike. So oh, I yeah. hear, what I'm hearing out of you, Mike, <clears throat> maybe you want to reflect on it during break if you don't have time, but is that there is no Republican Party anymore in the former Reaganites and those types. We now have the JFK Democrats and the Socialists. Uh,
1: listen, I don't know that I want to say that, but I do believe we're in transition. Yep, so listen, folks, we've, we've got to go to break, but when we come back, we're going to dive, we're going to do a deep dive into the things we're talking about right now. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
3: Mike Hewitt? It's a truism to say truth never changes, but it's also a truism to say the only constant is change. Is that an enigma? History tells us much about our future because human nature never changes. The media warns Western democracies are at risk. Their concern is justified, but they write from a combatant's perspective. They always present the same narrative. The far-right did this or that. Try finding them using the term far-left. They write on far-right reactions as if there's no far-left that's being reacted to. They're intellectually dishonest. Our hybrid democratic republic is in decline. Our political culture is failing. I place much of the blame on our sensation-selling far-left mainstream media. I'm sitting in a restaurant. Lots of patrons are laughing, talking, and enjoying each other's company. I have no idea what their politics is. It doesn't matter. They're Americans. That's not what the media wants, but it's exactly what human nature demands. Come find The Mike Hewitt Show on Spotify and Apple Podcast.
1: Folks, if you're just tuning in, I am Mike Hewitt, co-host. Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Weidemorsky. Listen, guys, that 60-second feature that Jared played for us, in my mind, at least this week, is the things that I'm I'm stewing on. And so, let me drop to the bottom portion of it because, for me personally, it's what's most important. So I'm on vacation and I'm sitting in a restaurant this week. I'm going to guess there's about a hundred, maybe 125 people there. Miles, for reference, it was about the same size as a restaurant you and I used to own together. And so 125 or so people, they're laughing, they're talking, they're enjoying each other's company. They're having a great time. And folks, here's the point I'm making. I couldn't tell what their politics was. I had no idea whether they were Democrats or Republicans. I didn't know any of those things, but I did know that they were doing what human nature calls them to do. They were enjoying each other's company. And somehow, Miles goes to your word early on in the show, we changed after the pandemic in my view. I think the pandemic was used as a tool to change us. And I personally believe that that was the coup. That said, I'm watching these people. They're not in an internal civil war. They're having a good lifestyle because in the end, aren't the things that we're really advocating for is a safe and solid, happy lifestyle? Isn't I mean putting all the political words aside Tip O'Neill and Reagan and Biden and Trump? I, to me, that's what I want for my daughters is to have a safe environment to live a happy and fulfilled life, and everything else is nuanced. Am I, you're the young guy, so am I, am I all wet on this?
0: I think that's why I got in, involved in the first place was about the future of my kids. When we do the show, it's a lot of my perspective comes from what's their future going to hold what's their opportunities that are gonna exist and making sure I'm doing the right thing to keep them in good standing.
2: Yeah, I, Mike, I, I, I think the one thing I would caution you on though, is that different people define happy and fulfilled life 180 degrees about from each other. Wow, that's,
1: that's the absolute truth. You are absolutely right about that. Um, and people define success differently. Yep. Even my four daughters each have a different definition of success. Um, I'm not entirely convinced that the, that the political echo chamber that I refer to now as the Internet effect, I'm not, I don't believe that that serves anybody's definition of success or fulfilled contentment in a safe environment. That's my view. I think the, the Internet has been used as a transmission belt with COVID to really change who we are as a people and i think it's done to the chagrin of those things like safety and happiness that's oh, my personal belief
0: 100% yep. the the internet is absolute trash i mean when you look at social media especially oh look at my great vacation oh my husband's so great my wife she's amazing and but you don't see the real life behind that and you get somebody who's having issues in their life and they think that's real life and it definitely caused a lot of cultural issues. We get right. the 1%. We have an echo chamber that makes it now sound like the 99%. And we have people fighting amongst each other over the slimmest of margins and minorities in our culture so, as if it is the majority.
1: So, Lud, whenever I see your wife on Facebook talking about how wonderful you are, I think to myself, wow, and she's such a nice person. She doesn't deserve that. No, she's full of crap. <laughs> yeah, because you're you're not nice and wonderful. no all right I, <laughs> I I don't know listen guys, let's change gears. Biden uh, has got a garage problem um, <laughs> and when i when I mentioned back when they were assailing Trump for having uh, documents at Marlagro, uh, when i when I stated that every president going back to FDR, would have secret, secret, top secret documents in their packing when they left because it's not possible to them. It's just a box of stuff they're looking at. All of them. I bet Jimmy Carter, who was Jimmy Carter, I bet he's got top secret documents. Probably not no more because of the length of time we're talking about. But, but but listen, we're we're off splitting hairs. We seem to be a political culture now that's in both sides of the aisle launched into this gotcha mode, and I try to say to myself, because it goes to my point, Miles, that you and I touched on about defining happiness, I don't know how having a political culture locked in gotcha mode serves anybody's definition of happiness and security, and the real
2: things, we're a bunch of morons. Right. Honestly, I think if the Republicans do go through all of these investigations, yep. I think it is going to end up going nowhere regardless of what they uncover and then the then the democrats are going to be able to run uh, in 2024 on all all the republicans did in the house would were doing witch hunt but that that's true but listen those guys doing that men and women both in congress
1: my personal view is that they're they're afraid of the fringe what i was saying earlier they're afraid of their angry mob constituents So they're going to do those investigations because it's demanded of them. I I maintain the opposite. If they went to Washington as as a majority House and actually professionally led the House to achieve things, that majority of folks in America, regardless of party, party would go, Wow, there really can be adults in the room. That's my view. And by the way, folks, just so you know, don't think I'm a centrist because I'm talking this way. I'm about as far right as you can get, but I'm also smart enough to know that I want the most conservative the electorate will allow, not the most conservative that makes me feel warm and fuzzy, because that does nothing for me.
2: So, I, I, Miles, am I, is my thinking wrong on that? I, you know, there, there may be some folks listening to the grassroots, yep. um, you know, because there are people with their hair on fire, on our side of the aisle as well as the other uh, side of the aisle. I just think that if Washington isn't going to stay smart, they're going to play right into the hands of the Democrats in 2024.
1: I entirely agree with that. And by the way, while you were talking, the person that popped up into my mind was, once again, was Peter Meyer, <coughs> who cast several hundred votes in Congress over his two-year two-year tenure, um, several hundred, and I absolutely passionately disagreed with him on five of those votes. And and we've replaced him in a primary with a man that was a nice guy, cannot be elected in a general election in that district. Simply can't. So now we have Scolton who's a far-left Democrat. And I gotta tell you, I might find five votes with her I agree on, but the overwhelming majority not five, the overwhelming majority of her votes will be contrary to a small our Republican form of self-governance. And I think to myself, holy smokes, are we so angry that we do the obvious to ourselves, get rid of him because of five votes and trade for her when we won't agree with her on anything? That to me is brain-numbing,
2: silly thinking.
1: It's okay, cone so show I, thinking. With,
2: with what, less than 30 seconds left, I'll push back a little bit. All right, so I'm ready. Th- this is coming on the heels of decades and decades of capital R politicians promising a whole bunch of stuff on the stump and then going to Washington and delivering nothing. Yep. I listen, I
1: get that. But this guy, and I'm not defending Peter, but but this guy would tell you everywhere he went. This is why I voted this way. This we is what five. I told you I would do. And he's in a plus three Democrat district. He's not in a Republican district, so. Listen with that, folks. Stay with us. We've got a lot more. We will be right back.
0: You are listening to The Mike Hewitt Show, and now your host, Mike Hewitt.
1: All right, gentlemen, let's change gears because i got to make sure we touch on best. So uh, Ludwig, how many kids do you got? Uh, do you have in your family?
0: Uh, I got six between my three and my three step
1: So it is the Brady Bunch.
0: Yep, three boys, three girls.
1: Uh, oh boy! Uh, here's my question for you: Were you excited? Did you notice that in December, consumer prices, the inflation is letting off, and it dropped by point one percent? Did that help you with your family? That point one percent.
0: Well, I mean. Well, I, you know, it's kind of hard to tell when the eggs are, you know, 650 more than they were two years ago.
1: You know what's fascinating about this? And I've I've said it before, folks, but I I think it's just a, a hugely important thing to touch on. When our federal government tells us that the you know, inflation is letting off, it's imperative that you understand that that does not include food, energy, housing, education, or hospitalization. None of their numbers on inflation, like those numbers or not, none of them include those five premium things. I, I just I Ludwig, you're the you are the micro macro economics professor. So I ask you once again, what do you think the honest, truthful inflation percentage number is? Thirties. I, I think it's in at least in the high twenties. Miles Bauer, you are our resident mathematician. What say you?
2: Yeah, I would, I would say high, high 20s. I, I don't know how these folks sleep at night.
1: And by the way, just, to, just so everyone knows, I've seen both parties over the years do this. The Democrats have, ma- have mastered it. The bureaucracy is far left, And that's where these numbers come from. But when I look at the House of Representatives now, modestly in Republican hands, I, I listen. I don't care if they investigate whatever they want on the big long laundry list. I don't care, but I think they ought to be demanding that the bureaucracy actually do very earnest inflationary numbers, so we, that the folks really know where they're at. You know who we These, need to investigate?
0: The Fed. Who? The Fed is called well, yes. a lot of this and they are not independent like they were supposed to be in their setup, which we all know is not well, true. I and never believed they that the, have Fed been was the biggest independent. culprit
1: in this. But but listen, the Fed the Fed is not to your point is not independent, but it's worse than not being independent because it's it's really a monopoly of the leading banking industries. That's who the Fed is. And <laughs> I, they don't answer to Congress. They don't, but they do. They do walk arm in arm with much of our bureaucracy. Um, I, that, that that whole process is so broken. And I don't care if you're left or right. Anybody with intellectual honesty can look at that and go, "This is a wrong way for us to do this." Just is Miles. What do you
2: hating to be the contrarian here? I actually yep. was impressed. I, I read an article earlier. Where the the Fed honestly came out and said they expect this inflation clear through 2025,
1: but then they tell you, but then they tell you the inflation is only 6.1 percent or some nonsense, and you go, "Come on, stop that!" Right? So, that, so what they're saying is that we believe our lie is going to perpetuate for the next two years.
0: But well, I don't this- want your lie. I want the truth. They, they have to say that, Miles, they came out and tried this term transitory and totally got caught in their pants down. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was the biggest joke outside of the Benghazi raid being over a YouTube video. I mean, right. there's no way they could even say anything different. The, the one thing that doesn't correlate right now with the Fed hiking their rate is our mortgage rates are going down, and that's not typical. So there's something there that we need to be watching, guys, because these mortgage rates are going down. Housing prices are still continuing to rise. But the Fed's increasing the rate. There's something happening here, and I think we might want to keep that on our radar for future shows. Right?
2: Yeah, Doesn't the Fed have to raise the rate in order to get rid of the inflation? They have yeah. to,
0: and that's the problem right now we're seeing with some of these things that rates are still dropping at the banks. But they shouldn't be. They should right. be increasing because the Fed rate dictates all other rates. So... There's something brewing here that may be bigger than what we see today. Is this the problem,
2: though, that I brought up about quantitative easing and that the Fed's got to get over that? No, I will say
0: Jerome Powell has been doing a good job of trying to control that since he's taken over. They have reduced it quarter after quarter, and he really sped it up, and especially in the last two quarters. But that's really the only thing they've done, except for raise the rate very minimally and – Right. That's why I say investigate them, because they're so far behind. They lag so long that this is a bigger problem yeah. than it should have
1: been. Well, you know, where I disagree with you both, let me push back. I truly am a lay-as-a-fair guy. You know, and, and Miles, you're the, you're the French-speaking fellow, but from my standpoint, my interpretation of that term is is private America for us saying to government, get out of our way. You want to help us? Get out of our way. Right. Free us. So I'm reading Greatest un- The Greatest Unwind. Busiest US container ports went from swamped to eerily quiet. These are the things that we've got to factor in. And so if I, and, and by the way, the question my first question was is this the result of people saying by American? And I don't believe that by the way. Uh, or is this the result of of, uh, of our markets slowing, which is what I believe. But the government isn't going to solve a government, uh, a market slowdown by tweaking the rates one way or another. And every single time they've ever tried it, the end result was they throw everybody through the economic windshield. Every single time, bar none, every time. I can well, think of no examples of government manipulation of the economy that actually worked to the benefit of the folks.
0: Yeah, I mean that market slowed out of the ports just simply because it's seven dollars for eggs and six dollars for a gallon of milk. These prices are inflated in the hundreds of percents. They're not. 6. Yeah, but 9%. my eggs,
1: my eggs don't come from a container from from Asia. They they are they're from local local egg hatcheries.
0: Yeah, but it's a circular flow of money, and if that money is going only to get the eggs, it can no longer go to buy the TV that's imported.
1: Miles, any final comments on that topic? Yeah, I was
2: going to say, keep in mind, China had been locked down for quite a while, and we get a lot of trade from from China. They're just now coming out from underneath of a, of a, of a lockdown of the Chinese nature, not a lockdown of the Illinois, New York, and California-type nature. Uh,
1: let, me, let me make one final snarky comment about our side of the divide, and then I'll move on. I, I hear a lot about America first, and in our case, Michigan first. And if you go to one of their one of their meetings and look in the parking lot, it looks like the Kia and Hyundai, Hyundai <laughs> parking lot. You mean and the I cars thought, that are made in America,
0: Michigan?
1: What What happened to Michigan in America? Uh, Ludwig, that money doesn't stay here, sir. That money goes somewhere else, and those those jobs here are are assembly jobs. They're producing the products somewhere else and shipping them here and we're putting them together so we're out in the parking lot with kias and Hyundai's, yelling yelling michigan first america first and i'm going oh gag me (laughs) gag me i'm sorry i don't i that stuff blows my mind navy secretary says u.s will need to decide between arming ukraine and arming our own military and so i asked the same question i've been asking since this drama began back in February, remind me again why are we arming one thug to kill the other thug? And every time I say that, my email box, Mike at the Mike is filled with nasty glams. but they're always from the left. I'd be doggone if I can understand why we, as a as a as a country, a nation, thinks that arming one thug to kill the other one, in 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 a war that's at least lasted. 300 years. I don't know how that makes sense to anybody, that we would do that in spite of our own security, literally. Let what say you in our final seconds.
0: Well, I I think you got to go back to the president who made the deal to disarm Ukraine of their uh, their nuclear arsenal and in return said we would then uh, support them and supply them. I don't think we can renege on that deal. No matter how much I hate the deal, we can't renege on it and leave them uh, vulnerable.
1: Listen, none, we got to worry about us I, first.
0: You can't help others if you don't help yourself.
1: I, I I mostly agree with you. Where I differ is, we shouldn't have made that deal in the first place.
0: It's none of our
1: business. It's flatly none of our business. Um, that's that's my passionate view on that. We shouldn't have been there making commitments and deals and backroom nonsenses in the first place. Yep. Much less much less now forwarding our own future to honor some deal that shouldn't have been made. Listen, folks, I genuinely appreciate you for joining us. Miles Bauer, happy 60th, that's 60th. Oh, thank you. happy 60th birthday, Miles Bauer. Folks, please, please, please be safe. Find us at the themikehewittshow.com. Send me a message, by the way. Look forward to hearing from you. We will see you next week.